0: I love that picture of the potter and the clay. And that's so true. The potter never takes his hand off the wheel. He is is always working to shape and to mold in every season of our life. It reminds me of this thought that we had this morning as we were talking. We often think that God is only active in our lives, in our blessing, Hmm, but but he's distant in our suffering.
1: From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome back to another excellent episode of Living the Word podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Ferrone, and here we seek to be Christians who love the Lord with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of that hamster wheel in the attic. Ham- I'm here.
0: Ha- hamster wheel? Hamster wheel.
1: In <laughs> the attic. <laughs> my-, my wife actually put her hand on my-, my wrist this morning and said, you don't have to do an analogy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see what you can come up with next episode. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm here with our guest.
1: And the pastor of our awesome church, Living Word, Pastor Ben Buffkin. I'm glad and, to be here. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. It is a heavier episode, uh, but I also believe that it can be really encouraging. And our question for today is, how does a Christian walk through pain and suffering? Uh, is there room in a biblical worldview for tragedy?
0: Yeah, it is a definitely a difficult subject and one that we all experience because, you know, we all suffer, we all go through trials. So it's something that I think is important for us to to speak to it. And maybe this episode will be something that you see the title and you think, well, this is not for me right now because life's pretty good right now. But I believe that um, what I believe is biblical, what we'll see as we walk through scripture is that, um, is that we we all walk through it. So the episode may not be Relevant to you right now, but it will be relevant to you later at some point. Yeah. You know, suffering and tragedy, what we want to give is a biblical perspective. And so, what I want to do in this podcast, when we're trying to tackle this subject, is to kind of give three anchor points for us from a biblical point of view as to how we can respond. What are biblical perspectives that will help us, that will anchor us during our time to suffering? So, we're going to look at several scriptures here. The first one's going to be in Romans chapter 8. And the thought we're going to bring out here, the anchor point is this. The the, the first one is that suffering reminds us that this earth is not our home. Hmm. And I think we all know that. Yeah, we know as it Christians. up here. Right. And so I, I just want to clarify this too, just, be, just on the front end. This is from a Christian perspective. This is how do Christians process suffering. And so I think it's important for us to, to clarify that. And so suffering reminds us as Christians that this is not our home, and this is what we see in Romans 8 so very clearly. So let, let's let's look at the text. It says, For I consider, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So notice just on the front end there, Paul is comparing suffering in this earth to eternity in heaven. Hmm. He's saying there's a glory that's going to be revealed to in us and to us in eternity in heaven, but we have this present reality that we're that we're in. So what, what does he say about this present reality that we're in? Verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So just to stop there before we, we transition to verse 23, Paul is saying there is that the creation itself is under a curse. It's been subjected to futility, meaning that um, it's subjected to, to decay. It's sub- subjected to, to destruction. So the creation itself, because we're under the curse of sin, the earth itself is cursed. This is what it's speaking of. So it says creation is groaning, longing for redemption. And then verse 23 speaks to us, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Yeah. So Romans 8 is speaking to this reality that we have this sense in, in at the depth of who we are. That this world's not our home, this brokenness is not what we were made for, yeah. and that it's something that has been brought upon us. And so, we, we, we have this inward groaning. And so, it, it's so clear that the reason that we walk through earthly trials and suffering, one aspect of that is that we live in a broken and a fallen world. Yeah. And where do, we, where do we see that reality start? Right at the beginning. Right at the start, right? So, so, so Adam and Eve they sin, they rebel yeah. against God. We see that in Genesis three, and as a result, God, God curses the ground. He does, right? He curses the ground. He tells them that um, they're no longer going to be able to just—I um, don't know what it was like—but they're no longer just going to have fruit and grain and vegetables that just grew. Now they're going to have to work for it. They're Going to have to, the ground's going to be hard, they're going to have to till it, they're going to have to work for it. With thorns and thistles, Correct. yeah. I, I often think about that. Can you imagine what it was like uh, being a, a gardener before the fall? Yeah, right, Just lush and perfect. I, I mean, the miracle grow. you didn't need it, <laughs> <laughs> but so the ground itself is cursed, yeah. and then we see that because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve, God curses them. He tells Eve, What there'll be pain in. In childbirth, in childbirth, they're going to be subjected to pain, subjected to the result of their sin, and so this is what we see. The fall in Genesis helps us to understand why we experience the painful impact of of a broken world. That's why we have Hurricane Ida. That's why we have. That's why we have cancer, sickness, COVID. That's why the the world's broken. Uh, our our human bodies are broken we we don't when we're born now post fall all human beings the moment we are born is the beginning of our path towards death yeah we're born to die isn't that so encouraging yeah right. <laughs> right but but that's the picture of of our reality as human beings that that suffering reminds us this reality of the curse of sin reminds us that th- this earth as christians is, is not our home it's not what we were Made for. And and as a result of that, we have a deep inward groaning for all things to be made right.
1: Yeah, we can't wait. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, This makes me think about uh, death and suffering itself. Uh, They're universal, right? Everyone will die. Everyone has experienced suffering and will experience Mm -hmm. suffering. And it's always been consistent since the beginning of time. People have been dying since the fall. Right. You know, people have always been dying. And uh, when we look around uh, history, the human creature can be put into some pretty strenuous situations and they always adapt. They always find a way to just coexist with their, with their tough situations. And yet, even though death has been so universal and so consistent, we've never adapted to it. It's still foreign. Mm. It still chides against us. It's still, um, we we groan inwardly. It just hurts so deeply. And it's, it will always be foreign. Suffering will always be foreign to us, even though it's so common. And I think that, it's being unnatural to the human creature shows us the fall. God didn't create us to die. Absolutely. He created us for everlasting life. He didn't create us for suffering. He created us for the joy of, of unity with him. And that bends back to the childbirth analogy that, mm-hmm. you, that you talked about yeah. is that childbirth isn't pain for the sake of pain. Childbirth is an expectancy that mm-hmm. something amazing is coming. Something beautiful is on its way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember my, my wife, you know, holding the baby in her arms and suddenly 30 hours of labor just dissipates you know because here is this perfect child and i think i think that paul is saying that glory is gonna be so worth it it's so what we're designed for and Mm. we're finally as we get through this painful time suffering and the trials of life we come into glory we come into our new home and and that's that's such an excellent first point you know that that suffering reminds us this here earth that's not
0: our home yeah there's a there's a greater glory that is awaiting us i love your picture of your wife and childbirth and i you know i think of of you know it it really is only that reality of what is going to be revealed Mm -hmm. after the the pain that 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 there's perseverance right and because you know, now there's medicine to help you persevere. Yeah, <laughs> but, shout out to drugs. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, but just that is such a good picture there, you know, that that it, there's pain, right? And our life is like this, the pains of childbirth. But there is a glory. And this is what Romans 8 is pointing us towards. There is a glory. And, and so that's a great segue to our kind of our second anchor point. And, you know, before we get to the second anchor point in dealing with suffering and tragedy, I, I just want to give a little warning, uh, like a little warning label here. We're about yes. to tread into the deep end of the pool and into some thoughts that are difficult for us to process. And we don't have all the answers here, but you know, again, we, we want to anchor ourselves to scripture as concerning suffering and tragedy and trial. So first anchor point is suffering reminds us this earth is not our home. Yeah. Second anchor point is this, is that suffering is working in us for God's greater glory. Yes. It's working in us for God's greater glory. And so this, this tells us, I guess, I guess another way to say this, a different way to say it would be this, that as believers, there is no such thing as meaningless suffering.
1: No, not according to scripture. Right. And and this is something that's both, we want to accept it, you know, because we want to believe that in suffering, that there's purpose, there's meaning in it. But it's also really hard to accept the mm-hmm. idea that um, to wrap our minds around that God is ruling and reigning in our suffering
0: you know it's counterintuitive i think to our human nature to 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 process that it's 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 uh it's it's a it's a roadblock for us you know how scripture talks about how the gospel is a stumbling block to those who are not saved i think that the stumbling block for christians uh, and what we stumble over as christians is how does this work that god is both ruling and reigning and working in our suffering and and he's still good and he still loves us. How does that work? And so I think even though we may stumble over that, we can't ignore what scripture shows us about his active work in our suffering. And so yeah. that, that, that's what we want to look at. We want to look at what scripture says. So we see all over scripture. Yeah. And I, I, we're only, in the 25-minute podcast, we're only going to be able to give a few scriptures, but we could go all over the Bible yeah. and show God's active hand at work in his people in suffering. But the Christian perspective on suffering and trials has to be filtered through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of God's providential care. And so so listen to how God's word speaks to the suffering we walk through as Christians. First place, Romans 5, Apostle Paul. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Wow, that's
1: such a paradigm flip. Yeah. We find joy in in the suffering.
0: We're isolating verse 3 and 4 from Romans 5. But the broader context is Paul writing to the Church at Rome. Where was the Church of Rome? What were they subjected under as they're reading this from the Apostle Paul?
1: Sure, that crushing weight of the
0: emperor of Emperor the person, Nero Christians. yeah, right. And so can you imagine their reaction when they would read something like this from Paul? Yeah, it'd be jarring. yeah. they would be like, "Are you kidding me? They would have the it would be the same stumbling block that we have when we walk through trials and tragedies. Sure. They, it, you know their their children were being burned their their, their their you know husbands were losing wives wives were losing husbands for the faith yeah. for their belief in the resurrection of Christ and so Paul says not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings well, why do we rejoice knowing there's a knowledge that helps us to rejoice because he says here knowing that suffering produces mm, it's active it's active suffering again back to back to my Second thought here that God is working in the suffering to produce something for his greater glory and that the reality that there is no meaningless suffering for Christians. We see this in Romans 5, that the suffering in the believer is producing something. It's active. The the, the suffering is actively doing something. It's producing endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Character produces hope. That's just that's Romans 5. Let's look at James 1. Listen to this. Count it all joy, my brothers. Is that word again? Joy, joy, rejoice. Yeah. And 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 notice James says here: count it all joy, my brothers. Mm. In the believer's life, there's no meaningless suffering. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So I I love here uh, how the the biblical writer here James he he just opens up the category to to all kinds of trials. It's not limited to just persecution for your faith. It's not limited to just you know a uh, uh, difficulties because of of the gospel that you may walk through because of uh, of what the world is saying against us. He he he's saying various kinds of trials. So that means any and every kind of trial, yeah, losing kind of, a
1: job, yeah. or a terrible diagnosis for someone you love,
0: cancer, yeah, absolutely, a, a, a tragic death. I mean, this is hard. Again, this is a deep end of the pool. Yeah, right. Cannot all join my brothers when you meet. Trials of various kinds. Now, what we're what we're not saying is that those trials are joyful, yeah, and that those trials are good. But I
1: expect to have a smile on our face and be yeah. happy and that's, suffering. That's
0: not what the scripture's saying. That that the trial is good, and that that we should that we should say, "Bring it on," yeah, you know. But, but what the Bible is trying to move us towards is that 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 there is going to be something that the trials, the suffering, the various kinds of trials are doing. In us, And that should cause us joy because, as he says, verse three, for you know that the testing of your faith produces. Mm, There's that word again. Same word as in Romans five, the testing of, of your faith, the trials we walk through, it's producing something. There's an active work of God in it. It's producing steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So I just want to make a point here. I think, Dom, you're going to interject here. Um, in just a second, but I think it's something that we should take note of here, Mm -hmm. that Satan is not actively at work in our life to produce anything good in us. Mm -hmm. That's good. He's actively at work in our life to produce harm and evil and destruction. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So when we see here in Romans 5 and in James 1 that this suffering is actively working in us to produce something, who's doing that? Oh, Lord, it has to be. We would never say it was Satan. Yeah. Because Satan is not producing anything in us or working towards our sanctification, that's what the Lord does. So that's just—it's—it's it's such a picture of how God, God's word speaks to the suffering we walk through as believers and shows that He is not passive, but He's active in it. Yes,
1: and what sticks out in this is that word "perfect." So is this saying that that suffering is going to make us perfect, like we're going to be sinless? I think what. What I see here is is perfect is actually described in the following words that it's completeness and lacking in nothing, uh, like being fully equipped, right? right? And so, uh, in both of these verses, we have suffering producing something. It's producing hope and endurance and character and patience. And these are the tools that a believer needs mm-hmm. to endure in this life, um, on this side, away from home. And so. I, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, to me, it seems like perfect is saying that we were fully equipped.
0: Clearly, none of us are going to be perfect this side of heaven. No. <laughs> and we, we we understand that that reality. And so clearly, it can't be saying that uh, suffering is going to make us perfectly sanctified. Uh, but suffering will move us towards sanctification. Yeah. And this is what Scripture is pointing us towards, that God is actively at work in and through the suffering, uh, to conform us into the image of Christ, give us to produce to produce things in us. Yeah. So um, th- this leads us just one more verse when we're talking about God's greater glory being worked in us through suffering. The highlight verse, I think, the verse that all of us would maybe have on a coffee cup, on a picture on the wall, right? Um, Needlepoint, right? Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Good, right? Yeah. doesn't mean that all the things are good that we're walking through. And we would never say that. We would never say that the death of a loved one is a good thing from an earthly perspective. We would never say that that diagnosis is a good thing. Now, that's a that's a bad thing from an earthly point of view. Sure. But what Scripture is saying here, again, this overall picture of God's active work in us, even in suffering, he says we know, Paul says, we know that for those who love God, not those who hate God, no. the, the unbeliever, Scripture tells us, hates God. It's the believer that loves God. For those who love God, all of these things, the sufferings, the trials, the cancer, the the death, all of it for the believer works together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Active involvement in our suffering. You see it throughout Scripture. And God is not not passive, but but he is active. And so we may not understand all the reasons why. We may struggle with those reasons why, God has allowed these sufferings and trials that we walk through, but according to God's word, we can never say that there is, is just a meaningless suffering. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. God's in it. That that that's not that's not what Scripture shows us. I mean, no, the Bible advice. is a Bible of suffering. I mean, even even our Lord and Savior. Yeah. I mean, you think about the redemption that we have through Christ was foreordained by God mm. for our redemption. Acts two. The greatest. Sin committed by human beings against another human being is the crucifixion of Christ. Because Christ was the perfect lamb, the perfect human, God-man, perfectly innocent. innocent. Uh, No one can ever claim that. No one can say, I was sinned against and I was perfectly innocent. No, at the base level, we're all guilty, Romans 3. And so the greatest sin committed against a human being was the, the crucifixion of Christ. Yet it it wrought the greatest good hmm. that could ever be given and offered to all of humanity, which is salvation through that sacrifice. Yeah, it's powerful. So beautiful. So my wife asked me a question one day. Okay. It was a it was a a difficult question when we're thinking about active connection with God, active God actively at work in our life, or is He passive? And she came to me and she listened to. A preacher. I don't remember who it was. It really didn't matter who it was, and the preacher was talking about how those that are called into the ministry they needed to be be leery that the devil is going to come after you. Mm. He's going to attack you, and I, and I do believe that the enemy does attack, and he attacks us through our minds and our thoughts, and he seeks to 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 impact us through those ways. The preacher began to say, okay, so so you're signing up to go into ministry, you, you you know, you need to be aware of Satan's attacks, but you also have to be aware of his attacks against your children. Hmm. That he can Satan can attack your it's kids. Scary. He can he can place sickness on them. And and so we had just had our first son, our oldest son, Joel. And um, Joel's sixteen now. That makes me feel so old. <laughs> and so uh, so she says, Ben, what do you think about that? Who's more powerful? The way this preacher is describing this, it's almost like he's saying that Satan at some points is more powerful than God. That Satan can 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 circumvent God mm-hmm. and be more powerful than him. Yeah. So what's he's like the, a saboteur
1: working right? You know, in between God's works.
0: So what's true is Satan more powerful than God, or is God more powerful mm-hmm. than Satan? Is it this cosmic battle that 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 we see where God wins sometimes and Satan wins at other times, and 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 so we just have to kind of. Kind of struggle along through life, and hopefully, say God wins more than Satan. Yeah. And so, 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 so this is this is I think something we have to wrestle with: is is God just off in the corner, mm. off in the corner in the distance of His creation, and watching all of this tragedy unfold?
1: Yeah, and, and what you're descri- describing is called deism, right. the idea that God takes all of creation and he creates it, he gets everything going and uh, gives it energy and purpose. And then he steps back, kind of like, uh, my dad once gave me a, a wind-up pocket watch. You know, so he wound up creation, and then just like, it does its own thing. And eventually it'll wind down someday. And and he steps back and like you said, crosses his arms and he watches to see what unfolds. But then we interject sin into this. So now you get dirt into the gears and it's causing destruction and falling apart. And this idea of a God that's distant is now a God that's standing by while sin corrupts everything. And that's not the picture we get from scripture at all. No, Uh, In Jeremiah and Romans, I think maybe even other places, the picture that God gives us is that he is a potter, that Mm. we're the clay, that his creation is his clay and his hands are on it. And I have a a friend who is a potter. That's what he does. He sells Mm. mugs and vases and stuff. And it's fun to watch his Instagram account. And I once asked him, I said, what's your perspective on the Jeremiah passion? passage. And and he said, well, one of the things that I learned about God in being a potter is that when I have clay on the wheel, my hands never leave the clay. Mm. They're always engaged. They're shaping, they're working, but I'll Mm. never take my hands off. And the difference between uh, this dualism of God's on this side and the devil's on this side, and God said, I'm going to win someday, but sometimes it seems uncertain, especially when we're hurting in our suffering. And a biblical view of God is that in our suffering that's god crafting and shaping and and it's the difference between uh, our asking the question how can i get through this and father what are you doing in me that's through good. this that's good you know yeah, that's
0: very good i love that picture of the potter and the clay and that's so true the potter never takes his hand off the wheel he is he is always working to shape and to mold in every season of our life and it reminds me of this thought that we had this morning as we were talking we often think that God is only active in our lives in our blessing, hmm, but that's He's true. but He's distant in our suffering. So yeah. we see God as active in our in our blessing. We want to give Him all the praise for it. Yeah, but then in our suffering, where is God? He's Thank distant. you, God, for
1: my parking spot. But where are you whenever? Right.
0: you know, I get a diagnosis or something. Yeah, that's our tendency. Yeah, and so I think we we can't we can't go that direction uh, in the middle of our suffering because it it produces. Something in us that I think doesn't reflect what Scripture says, and Scripture tells us uh, in the Book of Psalms, it says that 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 where is God? Where 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 can you find God? If you want to find God in 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 our suffering, where would you find God? Well, He says He's near to the brokenhearted, mm. and He saves the crushed in spirit. That Thank He's not Jesus. only He's not only active when He redeems and active when He blesses, but He is active in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of of, of our trials. He doesn't leave us off to ourself.
1: All right, so our points so far are suffering reminds us that earth is not our home mm. and suffering is working in us for God's glory. And before we get to the third point, which I am very excited about, um, I do would like or I would like to ask our listeners and those who are watching um, t- to like, subscribe, rate, review. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who has rated it. We've had some great comments. Thank you for the many great reviews, five star reviews. Keep those up. Thank you for saying that you love us through it and um, keep that going because the the more you interact with likes and comments and shares, the more the algorithm works us up uh, for exposure. Um, But, all right, so back, that's what we want to do. Rate review. We have our two points. Suffering reminds us that earth is not our home. And then suffering is working in us for God's greater glory. So what's the third point, Pastor Ben?
0: Suffering helps us. This is the third anchor point. Suffering helps us to reprioritize our life. So here's what suffering does, said a different way. Hmm. Suffering presses into our hearts the brevity, which is the word for shortness, the, the brevity of our earthly existence. Yeah. We see this in James 4. So, so look at what James 4 says. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town. We'll spend a year there, trade and make a profit. That, doesn't that sound like our life? Yeah, it's just daily life. Yeah, like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to this business or this restaurant. Next week, I'm getting on a plane. I'm flying to California, right? Come you who talk like that, who say, I've got these plans. Yeah. What does James tell us? Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. For what is your life? For you are a mist or a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, this is how we should talk. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Everything's under his will. So what's, what's the point of that section? The point is, is that our life is a vapor and that we don't know when our time is going to come. That, that points us to Psalm 139, where it tells us that all the days of our lives have been written in, a, in his book, in heaven. They've been written in heaven. So, so, so suffering is this reminder from God, this daily reminder from God to, to think of our life differently, to think of our life through the reality that we don't know when our last breath is going to be. We don't know when our day is to go home to be with the Lord. So it should cause us to reprioritize the way that we live now. We should adopt eternal priorities instead of earthly priorities. And so I think Ephesians 5, just to give a, a, another section of Scripture, I think it confirms this. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 says, Look carefully. That means to, in uh, in other sections, Paul uses the term l- "live soberly." Uh, uh, look carefully, then, how you walk, how you live, not as wise, but as unwise. So, 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 what is wise living? Making the best use of time, because the days are evil.
1: Yeah, um, I had a, a professor who's um, a professor of missions, and he would always challenge the class. He would always hit us with hard things to to chew on, and multiple times he would say to the class how come you guys can go out and do dinner in a we- dinner in a movie and spend 80 bucks but mm. then you know you have a classmate who's hurting or there's a, a mission at church and 20 bucks is like oh i don't know if i've got them i'm gonna to need to pray about whether i should bless this mission or not yeah. it's like you did not need to pray about dinner in a movie you know and he's trying to push into us as students that um it doesn't matter what your car costs how big your house is? Like all of these are such small things and compared to an eternal glory, a, a kingdom priority.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, when we're thinking about, what about people? What about eternity? Mm. You know, and um, it's, a, it's a focus shift. And it's yeah. a focus shift I think we need to have. And, and I think it's a great point. Suffering forces that focus shift here yeah. and now. This isn't our home.
0: I, I think that's an excellent point to bring other people and our interaction with them into focus here as, as we're wrapping up because I I think if we're not careful when we are walking through the subject of suffering and tragedy and pain in our lives, it's just our all of our natural tendencies is to only think about what is happening with us. Yeah. And I think if we lose sight of the gospel and, you know, even, you know, even as we said early, you, you look at the narrative of scripture from Genesis 3 until Revelation, it is pain and tragedy and suffering. Yeah and glory, and redemption, and pain, and tragedy, and suffering. But the whole thread of it throughout the entire Bible is the redemption of humanity. And so in our suffering and in our trials, I think the way that the Lord receives the greatest glory through us is that we don't become so inward focused in our suffering that we lose sight of what may God want to do through us, or what is he wanting to do through us, what is he doing through us so that others may see Christ. That's a different question. And and so may our sufferings have the end of the advancement of the gospel. May the world, again, we're looking through the lens of believers, how we respond to suffering. May the world look at us in the middle of our suffering and trials and say, I don't get it. Hmm. I don't understand how they can have peace and hope. Yeah, I, I, I see that they're going through pain and I see the natural reaction to the loss, to the trial, to the challenge that they're walking through, but there's something different in their suffering than what I've ever experienced. Yeah, and 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 may we give a reason for the hope that we have. Yeah, it
1: produces hope, steadfastness. Yes, you know, giving us the tools.
0: May we be ready, always ready, to give a, a reason for the hope that's within us. And I think there's no greater time in our life for us to explain the hope we have to a non-believer than when we're suffering wow! because they're able to, it's like it's, it's flesh put on that hope. Yeah. And so the advancement of the gospel, that that's where Christ gets the greater glory.
1: So this is, this is heavy and it's, and it's encouraging too, you know, I think it gives a little room for us to find rest that God is in it, that his hands are on the clay, you know, that, um, the here and now isn't all that exists, Yeah. you know, um, and so I'm, I'm glad that we have, it's both heavy and it's encouraging, but Pastor Ben, what would you just say to someone who may be going through suffering right now, that they're still raw, they're still reeling from something yeah. that, that, that hurts?
0: Yeah. So back to that scripture that I said earlier about Satan, I think it's Jesus who said it in John 10, uh, for the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. And so the devil does have a plan for you in your suffering. Right. I believe that God's plan in life with the believer always wins out. Right. Uh, but he has a plan as well. And his plan is to tempt us in our yeah. suffering to run from God and to blame him. Yeah. That's the temptation is for us when we have these questions and it's just unspeakable difficulty and trial that we're walking through. The temptation of the enemy is to destroy us from the inside out and get us to blame God. Why God? Why God? I don't get it. I don't understand it. And we have all these questions that we wrestle with. And and so the the temptation is to run from God. So my encouragement to those who are walking through difficulty right now is to resist. Resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. Mm -hmm. Resist him. To resist that temptation and to run towards God. to To do the opposite of that. And so, you know, that can sound so like, churchy, you know, and sounds so like non-practical. Well, okay, that sounds great, Pastor Ben, run towards God. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time praying right now. What does it even mean to run towards God? Well, I think one of the ways in which we run towards God is to run towards relationship with brothers and sisters in, in, in Christ. Yeah, And I think that when we're alone with our thoughts, when we're alone with our troubling thoughts concerning our trials and our suffering, the enemy tempts us, the way he tempts us uh, to to deepen our struggle is to, for us to isolate ourselves. He does. And so my encouragement to you, if you're suffering right now, is to not run from the church, not run from relationships with brothers and sisters, but to run to that and allow your brothers and sisters in Christ to be the hands and feet of Christ, to lift your burdens, to pray for you, to support you during that. And and I think it's in those ways that um, God moves in your life and brings healing and comfort and, and joy and hope. And so that, that would be my encouragement. Don't blame God and run from God, but trust Him. Rest on the pillow of providence yeah. um, and, and run towards God by running towards your brothers and sisters.
1: Outstanding. Well, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for making this an excellent episode as we deal with such a rough subject. Yeah. One, um, well, Thank you for uh, sticking with us and tuning in with us today. And we look forward to having you on our next episode, episode number four,
0: episode four, man. I, I just, I enjoy talking with you, Dom. You're, you're easy to have a conversation with, and I love the insights that you bring out. You're such a blessing and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Buffkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to
0: living the word.